Hello, my name is Daniel Nenny, founder of SemiWiki, the open forum for semiconductor professionals. Welcome to the Semiconductor Insiders podcast series. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please post it on semiwiki.com and we'll get right to it. My guest today is Dave Lazowski, CEO of Celestial AI. Dave has an in-depth knowledge of semiconductor, data communications, photonics, and clean energy industries, as well as executive international business experience. He currently has over 50 issued and five pending U.S. patents. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thank you, Daniel. Great to be here. First, can you tell us how you came to the semiconductor industry? Yeah, originally, I actually joined Applied Materials uh, from college. I'd studied mechanical engineering and uh, joined Applied to, uh, to build uh, semiconductor manufacturing equipment and then got uh, pulled relatively quickly to the customer engagement side, working on uh, more uh, integrated device uh, technologies and solutions. Applied Materials, great company. I'm very familiar with them. Yeah, really solid company. I was with Applied for about nine years, uh, and I... I, uh, I feel like I got my MBA uh, through Applied, um, both on the on the business side of things as well as on the technical side of things. So besides Applied Materials, can you tell us a little bit more about your professional background and how you uh, came to found Celestial AI? Yeah, I've been in the semiconductor industry for going on about uh, 28 years now. Um, again, I was, at a, I was at Applied for a little over nine years and then founded my first company in 2004 called Intermolecular, which did semiconductor research and development and intellectual property licensing. Um, we took Intermolecular public on the NASDAQ in 2011, about uh, seven years after founding it. And uh, I stayed on as the, as the company CEO um, for about three years um, and then transitioned uh, to, to doing other board work. And it was at that point I actually got uh, exposed to the, the field of silicon photonics and optical interconnectivity. I joined the, uh, the board of directors as the chairman of the board of Poet Technologies, which is a, an optoelectronic device company. All right, I know Intermolecular and Poet as well. I'm surprised we haven't met before. So what, what is Celestial AI's backstory and, and where does it play in the AI stack? Yeah, so Celestial AI is, uh, we're the creators of the Photonic Fabric, which is a, an optical interconnectivity technology platform. And um, it, uh, it, it, it's a, a core platform for enabling more efficient communication chip to chip within chip. Uh, and when I say chip to chip, I mean with, from, from one commute, uh, compute uh, system to another uh, and from compute to memory systems. And where it plays in the stack, um, increasingly, um, there's a need for the ability to scale memory capacity in addition to compute independently. At, uh, so for some of, the, for, for example, today's AI workloads, the requirements for memory scaling uh, are about 100x the requirements for the compute scaling, depending on the workload. And what the photonic fabric does is provide a composability of uh, infrastructure, particularly for data center infrastructure, to allow our customers to scale memory and compute based on their application requirements. Interesting. So what is the impact of AI on data center infrastructure? You know, AI has been around for a while. Why now? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, what's happening is that the AI workloads are increasing in complexity exponentially, right? We're experiencing today 
really unprecedented change um, in the level of uh, AI complexity um, and the, the impact that AI is having on, on really everyone. Um, so that this is driving a need for exponentially increasing memory systems to house these high complexity models. Uh, for example, uh, you're dealing with uh, large language models, including uh, you know, GPT-4, which is used for ChatGPT, and some of the, the larger recommendation engines that are moving beyond billions of parameters to several trillion parameters in these models. And the key is, is the ability to scale systems. You know, we agree with what, what Jensen uh, highlighted in the, uh, in the analyst day a, a few weeks ago from NVIDIA, which is that the, the industry is currently experiencing a transition from general computing infrastructure for data centers to accelerated computing uh, uh, infrastructure. And there's, there's currently about a trillion dollars of installed general computing infrastructure that will transition to accelerated computing infrastructure in the coming years. And we believe that disaggregation of that infrastructure, meaning the ability to decouple memory capacity and bandwidth scaling from compute is going to be critical for accelerated computing. Right. You mentioned large language models. How big do you think the impact of giant uh, AI models uh, will be? You know, we're scratching the surface today in terms of the impact that uh, either large language models uh, or other recommendation-based systems will have uh, on, on humanity. So, we, you know, it's, a, it's a early, early days in artificial intelligence. Uh, today, we're, we're constrained by access to, uh, to structured data. Um, to uh, evolutions of more advanced um, AI machine learning models, and in large part by the, by the infrastructure that these systems run on. As each of these three blocks make incremental progress, we're seeing step change improvements in the kind of impact uh, that they can have. But uh, what, uh, what we are seeing is uh, a potential transformation over the course of the next five to 10 years uh, in terms of the direct impact on people's lives. And, and this is true for today's models, which are, are you know, very heavily language-based uh, and vision-based. Uh, um, they're, um, they're not being fed today in large part by streaming video. So as the world evolves to more complex models, which are handling multimodal um, inputs for the data that is training them, uh, these models will, will evolve tremendously uh, over the coming decade. Interesting. What does the next generation data center architecture look like then? Yeah, we really believe that um, there is a requirement based on the input that we're getting from the hyperscaler customers that we are engaged with, uh, a requirement for disaggregation of resources, um, meaning the ability to, uh, to configure uh, composable resources, um, uh, composable memory systems, and this is, uh, you know, DRAM, um, composable storage, um, and composable compute uh, to meet the application requirements and fungibly uh, allocate resources based on the application need. There are, are two types, you know, generally speaking, of, uh, of hyperscale uh, data center infrastructure. There's cloud service providers, which are serving varieties of, you know, ever-changing workloads. And then the, the, the hyperscalers that have their own internal captive uh, applications um, that uh, include search, 
uh, and include, you know, for example, uh, companies like Meta that are supporting their, their own family of apps that have a, a more well-defined set of criteria. Um, we do see a blurring of the lines between search and uh, what we call intelligent search or smart search as recommendation engines are increasingly used to tailor results and content uh, for the users based on user history and profiles. Got it. What about connectivity or interconnectivity? What, what is the importance of optical uh, in today's data centers? Yeah, so as, as the data centers transition uh, to disaggregation, there's only one way to do it effectively or efficiently, and that's through optical interconnectivity. Um, these resources have to be physically located um, uh, uh, in, in separate locations. Today, the only way, for example, to, to scale high bandwidth memory um, for these compute clusters is to add more compute because the, 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 the sockets that are available for high bandwidth DRAM are located one and a half, no more than two millimeters away from the processor. What, uh, what optical interconnectivity can do, and specifically what we are doing with our photonic fabric, is providing optical connectivity to pooled high capacity, high bandwidth memory systems which changes the game entirely. It, it, it allows for the ability to decouple memory capacity and bandwidth scaling from compute. Um, and, it, and it provides layers of economic and efficiency benefits um, that, um, that, that you just can't achieve with an electronically interconnected system. Got it. What about um, copper-based interconnect? You know, can the technologies that we use today be adapted and used? Yeah, the, the, the challenge is actually several fold with, with copper. So, you know, the challenge with copper is that, you know, the nice thing about photonics is that, that, that photons have no resting mass, they have, they're massless. Um, so it, there's an efficiency associated with moving information uh, photonically. We've seen that in telecommunications and data communications. And, and, and what you're seeing right now is really an extension of, of that ability um, and, and the, the core capabilities of optical interconnectivity extending into the compute level, not just down to the, you know, from the, from the back of a rack uh, to the board, but all the way down to the accelerators themselves, right? So, and you're hearing this out of the hyperscalers, uh, the, the, the deeper you go in, in optical connectivity, the, 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 the more efficiency you're going to, to benefit from. The downside with copper interconnectivity, you've got just inherent resistance, um, then you have re-timers uh, that, that are required uh, just to, um, and um, you have to basically clean up signal integrity issues that uh, increase as a function of um, distance, right? So the signal degrades with distance in an electronic uh, system uh, when you're moving information over copper, uh, and it does not degrade um, uh, at anywhere near the same order of magnitude. Uh, with photonic systems. That's why optics has been used, uh, again, for, for, for telecom, for datacom, uh, for, for uh, medium and long-reach applications. Um, what is Celestial's photonic fabric technology? You know, how is it better than other competitive technologies like uh, co-package optics? Yeah, so the differentiation of the photonic fabric um, is, is actually mul multiple folds. So um, it's, our, our system is um, it has uh, unique aspects of the system architecture in, in both components of the system and package. So 
uh, for all co-packaged optics or optical interconnectivity systems, uh, it is a combination of an electronic chip that controls the photonics and the photonic integrated circuit itself that handles the, the optical connectivity. Um, all other uh, optical interconnectivity systems are limited to what is called the beachfront. Um, because of thermal instability of uh, the silicon photonics that um, you know, co-packaged optics companies are using, and some of the other startups that are working on uh, optical uh, interposer-based technologies, um, they cannot um, co-package a high, uh, what's called TDP, or a high-power ASIC, whether it's a GPU, a CPU, or an accelerator, directly on top of the silicon photonics due to thermal instability. They have to use a chiplet-based approach or remote, uh, remotely locate the active silicon photonics uh, from the heat source, which is the processor. In the case of the photonic fabric, our thermal stability of our silicon photonics is about 60 times greater than uh, any other optical interconnectivity technology, and we have patent protected um, that, uh, that core technology. And what that allows us to do is use the photonics as the interposer. So we uniquely have the ability to deliver data directly to the point of consumption within a chip. Um, and that chip can be a processor. We can move information from one processor to another in a multi-chip package, a multi-chip module. Uh, and that same silicon photonics is used as the interconnectivity from chip to chip to enable scaling of uh, the compute within a, um, within a system, uh, within an optical compute fabric. And it also provides us the ability to gain direct access to optically interconnected pooled memory, which is extremely high bandwidth. So in our case, we're configuring systems that, and we're, we're developing systems that provide pooled um, high bandwidth, high capacity memory that uh, deliver the full bandwidth of H, HBM3 and the evolutions of HBM3, including HBM3P, uh, which will come uh, over the course of the next 12 months. Um, so we're unconstrained by, by the bandwidth of the uh, the interconnectivity of the systems and it allows us to deliver in you know depending on the implementation uh up to 25 times the total package level bandwidth and for uh for applications such as remote memory accesses we are 10 times lower in power consumption and 10 times lower in latency because we have designed in routers and switching uh, directly into the photonic fabric at both ends of the, of, of the fiber. Uh, so the interface eliminates the need for an intermediate uh, switch, which adds power consumption and it adds latency to the system. And how do customers normally adopt the photonic fabric? So we offer the uh, Photonic fabric in a, in a combination of uh, product offerings. Um, it includes uh, pooled memory systems that are available um, uh, through our, our, our supply chain. Our, our, it's an ecosystem set of providers. Uh, we do have um, strategic investors that have come into our Series B round. We just recently raised uh, $100 million Series B uh, that included a, um, a memory system uh, integrator um, that is working with us to develop uh, optically interconnected pooled memory systems uh, and um, one of the world's largest uh, memory companies uh, that is providing the, uh, the memory for these systems. 
So that, uh, that's an appliance and a server form factor uh, that's uh, pooled HBM and DDR. Um, and at the other end of the fiber, we're providing a connectivity to the photonic fabric interface um, in, in, a, in a variety of means that provide, um, basically meet the customer application requirements. And this can be in the form of IP that our customers can design a photonic fabric interface directly into their uh, chips uh, in the form of a chiplet uh, that provides optical interconnectivity to the photonic fabric, very similar to the way that co-packaged optics is offered. And we also uh, are offering a, a very low barrier to adoption uh, PCIe add-in card that provides uh, optical uh, interconnectivity to the photonic fabric through a conventional PCIe socket. Wow, $100 million. That's impressive. Yeah, thanks. We, uh, it's, I think what's more impressive than the amount is the caliber of the investors that we have involved. So we've got long-term, um, very strategic um, and, and, and very thoughtful um, investors that will be with us over the, over the long haul. So what is the potential impact of photonic fabric on data centers? You know, how, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, we, we feel that um, we have developed what uh, will become the standard for optical connectivity uh, for uh, for high bandwidth applications and and uh, increasingly the the amount uh, the range of uh, need for low latency high bandwidth uh, interconnectivity is uh, is increasing significantly. Uh, we do feel that there will be a, a a general shift to more and more optical connectivity and that co-packaged optics will. Uh, will have its uh, its role um, for for lower bandwidth applications. Um, uh, for us, we intend to be the um, the optical interconnectivity platform that becomes the standard for applications like uh, CXL 3.0 for full memory applications. Um, it just makes sense to have uh, the pipe, uh, the interconnectivity pipe to uh, high capacity, high bandwidth memory systems that can keep pace with the memory itself so that the compute systems have the ability to, uh, to really leverage um, all of the, um, the, the, the bandwidth and the latency and the power benefits um, that the memory companies uh, are providing. And um, it, it really provides, the photonic fabric provides the, the hyperscalers, which will represent roughly 70% of the total data center market um, uh, in the coming years. Uh, it provides them another tool in the toolbox to architect their systems much more efficiently, um, both on the front end in terms of uh, not over-investing in uh, CapEx, because as I think uh, Microsoft uh, Azure did a good job of describing in, um, in a, a recent publication that they released in March of this year, uh, which is entitled The Trade-Offs in CXL-Based Memory uh, Pools for Public Cloud Platforms. You know, they've, they've highlighted that the DRAM represents 50% uh, of server cost, and 30% of that DRAM can become stranded, right? Once the VM is allocated with its memory that's tied to it, to an application, it's, it's dedicated to that application, and then that becomes stranded memory. The beautiful thing about pooling is that you have composability of the memory resource and you can allocate the amount of memory that is required uh, for for the application and it, it results in far more efficiency 
um, you know, efficiency improvements um, in terms of the utilization of existing resources so they're not wasted. Um, the other benefit of using uh, photonics and optics generally is uh, that it's just more efficient, right? So um, in, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're seeing up to a 10x reduction in power consumption for remote memory accesses. And why is this important? AMD earlier this year, in Q1 of this year, uh, published a paper uh, that was called uh, you know, compu uh, Computation versus uh, Communication uh, Scaling for Future uh, Transformers on Future Hardware. And what they found is that for many of these AI workloads, 40 to 75% of execution is actually communication, right? So the workloads are increasingly gated uh, in terms of power consumption by communication, not the computation, right? So if we can reduce, um, not necessarily by 10X, but if you can reduce it by, cut it in half, uh, the, the, the total power consumption um, associated with you know, 40 to 75% of the AI workloads, it has a huge impact on the cost of running these data centers and on the economics of running the data centers and on the carbon footprint uh, that these hyperscale data centers uh, have. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. The environmental impact you know, of AI has been discussed quite a bit. How can optical technologies like photonic fabric help with that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're going to find that it's, it is a must-have, not a nice-to-have, uh, to transition to optics. Um, one, because of the available power uh, that, uh, that exists in certain regions. Uh, you know, we're seeing that in resource-constrained regions today, uh, such as uh, Singapore. Uh, we, have a, we have an investor that's based in Singapore. Um, but uh, even in the United States, which, you know, has, uh, has access to a variety of natural resources, which has a tremendous um, uh, you know, power grid, um, the amount of AI that is required will, will drive a, inherently a need to, to improve efficiencies in, uh, in total energy consumption in these hyperscale data centers. And, and it's not just the hyperscale data centers, it's frankly uh, even the expansion of um, you know, second and third tier data centers, edge data centers, uh, the, the key is uh, improving efficiencies and driving power consumption down. And it's, uh, we, we're looking at this as not a nice to have, but a must have to protect you know, the, uh, the environment certainly, but also to be able to work within the total available energy window uh, and pool of resources that are available given the exponentially increasing demands for more power to drive these AI workloads. Ah, great. So how do customers normally engage with you? Yeah, we're uh, reachable on our website. Um, that's the best way to contact Celestial AI. And uh, the, we're at the Celestial, uh, C-E-L-E-S-T-I-A-L dot A-I. Great conversation, Dave. Thank you very much. And hopefully we can sync back up, you know, maybe later this year to, to check on your progress. Great, Daniel. Thanks for, thanks for the time and looking forward to staying in touch. That concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day. Thank you.